Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. I'm Kevin Farrell, along with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Is it time to take a look at your expenses to see where you can wring out a few dollars each month? How tight is your budget? Would you just like to be able to pay off a credit card, save, or treat yourself to a little more from time to time? Today, we'll remind you of places to look, beside the couch cushions, to pick up some spare cash. Our experts will also take your personal finance questions. Contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. Good morning. Let's uh, start with you, Nancy, with uh, your thoughts on what's going on in the financial world. Well, we have a bit of a split screen, Kevin, and so we can look at the market and say, my goodness, it's doing so well because of these announcements of uh, impending vaccines, and that's all good on the market. But when we start to look at economic data, we see some you know, erosion of the data right now. We're starting to see an increase in weekly unemployment claims. Um, other information is showing us consumer spending is slowing down. So it looks like without another stimulus on the horizon and with us still in the midst of this, this um, pandemic, which is spiking, that we could see um, basically a decline again. And so that's what we're watching closely. Uh, good morning, Ryder. How about financial news uh, from your end of the spectrum? Good morning. One of the things that I've been looking at is the uh, kind of as we transition to a new uh, new administration in the White House, uh, you know, the appointments they're making or talking about making. And one uh, just uh, the other day was they're talking about having Janet Yellen be the Treasury Secretary. Uh, Janet Yellen was the um, uh, Fed chair under Obama. Uh, she kind of presided over uh, both some increasing and some uh, unwinding of, of uh, monetary stimulus uh, and also, you know, over a, a very – one of our longest stock bull markets. So she's, uh, she's an interesting pick to put on the Treasury. Uh, I think a lot of people really do like her in the finance world, uh, really do like how she managed the Fed um, and, you know, kind of looking forward to see what she does as Treasury Secretary. Uh, Nancy, what is the role of the Treasury Secretary, and, and how does it have an effect on, on maybe on how markets uh, uh, perform? Well, the Treasury Secretary is um, the one who's supposed to make sure the money goes out and comes in, and based on what Congress has told them they can spend or based on what our tax rates are. Um, I would point out uh, I'm very excited also about Janet Yellen. She was the first female chair of the Federal Reserve. She will be the first female Treasury Secretary. And if you've ever listened to her before Congress when she was the Fed chair and she answered their questions, she is at heart a teacher. And so she explains things so well. And so I'm really thrilled that she will be in that spot. The Treasury uh, Secretary will be working with the Federal Reserve in tandem with them. 
So, uh, who wouldn't like to have some extra spending money for fun, for saving, or for debt? So, today we're going to talk about ways to cut expenses. Uh, if you have a question about that or another personal finance question for Nancy and Ryder, email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. First, uh, we would start off by tracking your spending habits. Uh, Nancy, if you start to track where your money goes, what are some of the things that you think you can find out? Well, the first thing you're going to find out is uh, where your impulse buys are, where your crazy is, where you spend money without even thinking about it. And um, by looking at that and tracking it, it, it just reminds you to pay attention to those and not let it get out of whack. And you can also see where you're spending money blindly for things that maybe you're not getting any value for. You know, for instance, you may have had that uh, gym membership for two years and you've only gone twice. You're you're not getting value for your money. And then also you're looking at what's the difference really between my needs and my wants. Yeah, we've talked about that before. If you would uh, maybe dive into a little bit more to that and, and how you think someone should go about determining needs versus wants. Oh, my gosh, it's all relative, you know. Um, we talk to people from all across the spectrum, people who have very high incomes to people with much lower incomes. Um, and what we find is that one person's need is another person's want. And so you just have to figure out what's really important to you. And I think Ryder has some good ideas on how you focus on that and look out at uh, how you target your money. Yeah, absolutely. A show about looking at all of your spending and seeing how you can do less of it is absolutely up my alley. Um, so, you know, kind of like you said, going through, writing down, looking at every expense is absolutely your starting point. And what you find is, you know, look at the expense and, and think about what you got for it. Um, you know, you may look at you may look at some expense, which, you know, kind of speaking to Nancy's needs versus wants. I can look at an expense. I've said this. I say this almost every week. I can look at an expense at a restaurant and think, you know, no, almost no matter how high it was, I can just think I had a great time at that restaurant. I really enjoyed myself. I, you know, the, the, I mean, obviously, I haven't been to a restaurant in months, but you know, I enjoyed the food. I enjoyed the company. Everything about it was great. That was money well spent. Um, but then I look at something else. I look at, uh, you know, maybe I had to had to buy some clothes. Maybe I bought uh, something else for the house. And I'll look at it and I'll be like, ugh, I really wish I could have, you know, spent a little less there. And, and so, you know, that's kind of how one person's needs are another's wants. You know, for me, you know, I, I, I almost need uh, that kind of, you know, restaurant and entertainment spending. Um, but some of the other stuff, uh, I, I, I don't need as much as somebody else may need. And I would point out that um, Ryder now has a wife, so um, he's learning what a lot of us married folks are learning is that you have to put those two together. And so one spouse's uh, need may be another one's want, and so you have to compromise in that. So in terms of tracking spending uh, habits or your spending, Ryder, it could be as simple as, you know, getting a notepad and a pen or a pencil and just every time you spend some money, maybe jot down the date, the amount and, and what it was. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's all sorts of tools you can use to track it, but you know, the simplest is just write a list, like you said. Um, you know, for someone who really likes the data, you know, it may be useful to write it down in, say, an Excel spreadsheet, uh, where you can say you can maybe write a category for it. So you know, this was this was dining out. This was um, this was household goods. Uh, this was gifts. Um, and so then you can also categorize, you know, you can say, okay, well, I'm going to look at each month, you know, how much do I actually spend on um, household goods versus gifts? Which one do I really care about? Which one, I mean, again, which one did I get the most value from? And that can inform your spending decisions going forwards. Uh, one suggestion, I think, for sort of helping you visually understand wants versus needs would be on your uh, list, uh, whatever you're using to track your spending, maybe use a couple of different highlighters uh, to show wants versus needs, and that would kind of really jump out at you very quickly about uh, where you're going, and, and because obviously you're wanting to spend more money on your needs and maybe a little less on, on your wants. Yes. And, and one of the things, you know, obviously writing down, you know, carrying around something to write all these things down isn't necessarily practical for most folks. But if you keep your spending on one or two cards, you know, say, you know, some on your debit card, you know, you've got uh, with your bank account, you've got some of your, your utility bills and your auto pays and your and cash expenses. And then maybe you have a credit card where you kind of channel everything else through. You can just at the end of every month um, print those statements and go through them and kind of mark things off as you know this was this was a need this was a want. Um, one way I thought to categorize things was you know those those things which are uh, expenses you just can't get around. You know your mortgage, your rent, your utilities, and you kind of assume that you've done as much as you can to get those where you need them to be. And then there's things that you need but they're kind of flexible. Um, you know, so maybe groceries and gas, you know, I can spend a little bit less on groceries. I can spend a little bit more on groceries, but I'm going to spend on groceries. And then there's things which are totally discretionary, uh, you know, money spent going out, money spent traveling, um, which again, you know, you want to do a lot of those things. Uh, but those are things where you have a lot more flexibility. You know, I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to hurt that much if I just don't go out to eat for the next week or two, uh, things like that. Uh, this is Money Talks, and I can say from personal experience that if you limit uh, the uh, use of your credit cards and the number that you're using, uh, it certainly is a little bit easier to track your spending, not having to keep up with you know three and four different statements that are coming in uh, each month. If you have a question for our experts, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're discussing where to look for some extra spending money today. What if you had someone help you eliminate expenses that you hadn't used lately? We'll tell you more about that next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download our MPB Public Media app for your smartphone, and then you can to listen to all of the local Think Radio programs on that smartphone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. In May, the streaming service Netflix announced that it would start canceling accounts of inactive users. Now, if I had a dollar for every time my Netflix account uh, was uh, suspended from a phishing email, I probably would have enough money to actually have a legitimate Netflix account. But that's another story. Um, so that's nice. It, it maybe, Nancy, it would be nice if more services noticed that uh, people were being inactive and, 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 and suspended their accounts. Uh, that would be good. But I, I don't think that that's going to happen with a lot of companies. No, because for a lot of companies, that's their business model. Hook you in. Uh, get your credit card information. Often it's a trial subscription or, oh, we're just going to try this for a few months. You can cancel any time. And then we forget about it. And uh, so it just keeps going. For most gym memberships, they count on people not coming. That's what they want is for you to keep paying that monthly uh, set of dues and never show up and use their space and their equipment. So it's up to us to really pay attention to those things. Let's talk a little bit about uh, setting up a budget. And, Nancy, it certainly doesn't have to be fancy or anything. What would be maybe some uh, broad categories that someone setting up a budget might want to start with? Well, you need to start with your income. And not your gross income, but your net income, what you bring home every month. And for some people, that's a fixed amount. You're on salary. You know what it's going to be. For others, it varies. If you're an hourly worker, maybe you sometimes you get overtime, maybe you don't, or your hours fluctuate. If you're a commission person, then that income is going to fluctuate. For those people who have variable income, they need to budget for the lower amount, not budget as if everything is perfect that month, because it's never going to be that way. So start with that. And then Ryder mentioned those things that you're going to have to pay. We call them fixed expenses, regardless of what happens, your rent or your mortgage, utilities, all of those things. And then he also mentioned something called discretionary 
um, expenses. So those are the things that you do have discretion over. You might buy more clothes this month, or you may eat out more, or you may travel. The problem is for a lot of people, they have spent that discretionary income from years past and put it on credit cards. And now that credit card payment becomes part of their fixed expenses. They have to make that payment regardless. And so that becomes a problem if you can get rid of those credit card payments from years past, then you're going to have a lot more discretionary income in your pocket. And again, speaking from personal experience, I know that's the case, and it really is a major burden off your shoulders. When you pay off and pay down uh, your credit card bills, um, it is it, it was eye-opening to me to see how much money I actually had left in my account each month that I could uh, spend, save, or, you know, uh, not have to just keep that endless cycle of paying off those credit cards. So I would certainly encourage anybody uh, to try to do that because, uh, in my case, uh, it it worked really well, and I'm proud of myself to say that I, I I get a little jolt because I have Credit Karma that helps keep track of things, and every so often they send a little email that says, "Hey, congratulations, you've gone three months uh, with you know losing using less than ten percent of your credit." And so that's a little boost for me uh, to keep me on the on the straight and narrow. So, Kevin, we've been doing this program for what about twelve years now, and how long did it take for that to sink in? <laughs> well, I do have a thick head, but eventually, and that's why we're on the air continuing to say that, because these things are true, and eventually, hopefully, other people will, will realize that as well. Uh, Ryder, what do you think are some of the budgets of setting up and having a budget? I, I mean, uh, uh, the benefits, that is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the first most important thing is it makes you aware of your spending. Um, and, you know, like we've discussed in the previous segment, just being aware of your spending is a huge first step. A lot of people, you know, you may be thinking, oh, I only spend X number of dollars on this. Uh, you may be surprised. Uh, you may be surprised that you aren't getting the value you think uh, you think you are paying for. Um, but also, it lets you know when you are on track or not. Um, so, you know, you set your budget. You say, okay, I've got you know two thousand dollars to spend. I'm going to spend this in this category, this in this category, and this here. Uh, and then at the end of the month, you can kind of look at it and say, okay, well, how did I do? You know, did I manage to you know did I cut my eating out expenses this much? Uh, did I cut my you know household expenses um, by this much? And you learn a lot about yourself and what you care about and what you value. So you know, the first couple of times you compare your actual spending to what your budgeted spending is, you might learn, you know, what you really care about. You know, you may try to cut out, you know, say you have a lot of um, subscriptions like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, maybe you have all of those and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to cut out a few of those. But then you find you keep coming back to those programs and you keep coming back to those shows. You know, maybe that's more important to you than you thought. Um, maybe it's more important that you have um, access to those TVs and movies, and you're just going to have to find another category to cut back in. Uh, so you learn a lot about yourself when you have a budget and when you compare your budget to your spending. Because, again, your, your budget is not going to do anything if you don't actually actively use it. 
And also, I think like the car, credit karma email I mentioned, you know, when you set up a budget and you stick to it for a couple of months, you, you get a, a boost, a little uh, satisfaction and some self-confidence that you can, can you t continue to do it. So I think it uh, it helps in that regard, too. It gives you uh, the uh, the juice, I guess, to keep on doing uh, the right thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it, and it also, you know, it helps build those healthier money habits, being aware um, getting into the habit of saving, building those habits. You know, it's a process. It takes time, just like building any other muscle. Um, but that the budget absolutely helps with that. Uh, Kevin, I would also say that, um, you know, right now our budgets may look a little bit different. Um, we're not eating out as much at my house. Now, we may be picking up meals, um, but we're not spending as much at restaurants right now. At the same time, like Ryder mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my Amazon and and um, my Acorn and my Netflix and thinking, my goodness, look at what I'm spending on streaming. But that's really important to me now. What's going to happen later on when we get into next year and we get to the point where we start to feel safe and things start to feel normal again, I think people are just going to run screaming out of their houses <laughs> and they're going to be going back to restaurants, <laughs> traveling, Travel. doing all the things that we have not been doing while we've been in this pandemic. So we really need to be conscious of preparing for that and how our budget and our, our wants and needs are going to change as we step into a new world. So as we talk about uh, sort of reevaluating subscriptions, I guess, Nancy, you know, we encourage folks to check their bank statement and credit, credit card statements each month for accuracy, uh, but that might also be a source for helping find these uh, hidden costs that uh, are not really that useful to you. Yeah, and for most of them, that may be just a small amount, and that's a, another trick that they use with us. Okay, you look at it and you go, oh, well, that's only 9 or $10. And so you start out, you think that's a small amount, and now we have Netflix. They keep raising their monthly subscription, and it's just a small raise, so you justify that, and you don't really think about how all of those things add up. So you really need to go back and look at what gives you value, what are you using, and as I just said, that may change. So next year, if I'm not streaming as much and sitting at home looking for something to watch in the evening, instead I'm out with friends, I may be ready to cut off some of those subscriptions. So um, utility bills, uh, specifically electric use, that's a large portion of the average household budget. Ryder, let's start with you. Do you have some suggestions for maybe how to lower utility costs? Yeah, so, I mean, there's, you know, classic things like, you know, turning off lights in rooms that you're not using them in, um, setting your, you know, with, well, now is the season for heating, uh, using your heating less, using a, um, I'm a big fan of using a, a thermostat with a, progr a programmable thermostat. So you can set it to come on, warm your house in the morning when you're up and you're doing things in your morning, in the morning. Um, if you leave the house for work, you can have it, you know, turn off while you're away because you are not benefiting from that heat. Of course, a lot of us are working from home, so we're probably using our heating and cooling a lot more than we would even with a program. Um, but essentially, you can you can set it, you know, so that there's many, many, many hours a day where it's not actually running. So that's, that's a really good benefit because heating and cooling are a huge part of electricity budgets, uh, particularly down here. Um, you don't get as much value these days just from 
turning lights on and off, um, especially now more, more and more people have the compact fluorescence um, or they have LED bulbs. Even the incandescent lights that they sell nowadays are a lot more efficient than they used to be. Uh, there was a big thing about that about a decade ago. Um, so lighting has gotten better, um, but it is something still to watch out for. A big thing these days is uh, TVs, gaming systems, accessories like that, things that are left plugged in all the time. Um, a good rule of thumb is if it has a remote that can turn it on, then it is using electricity all of the time. Um, if it has a light on it, if it is a device with a light on it, it is using electricity all of the time. And you think, oh, well, surely it's hardly using any. Um, some, some devices can use a lot more electricity than you might think. Uh, so, you know, if it is a big deal, if you have, particularly if you have a, a lot of accessories, maybe having them plugged into a surge strip that you can turn off, maybe just turn it off at night. Uh, maybe, you know, turn it off, uh, you know, if you, during the week, if you're not using, uh, you know, your brand new PS5 during the week, uh, <laughs> turn that off. Um, but things like that. Uh, those are, those are kind of a surprising one that I think a lot of people miss these days because they're just always plugged in. Ryder, I've been trying to spend some money on my new PS5 and have yet to, uh, to get it yet. I keep getting the sorry screen on uh, Walmart, but I, I have not <laughs> given up uh, trying yet. And one, one habit I picked up from when I lived at home during college, my mom uh, used to keep the, the thermostat uh, you know, at a cooler temperature in the, in the winter months, uh, and so I just learned to have a long sleeve shirt or a light jacket with me, and that's one thing that I've uh, kept doing is that you know keep the thermostat turned down a little bit and just put on something to keep yourself warm while you're in the house. Absolutely. Uh, it's Nancy, a lot cozier that way, too. Nancy, what about a tighter home? What are some of the things that you can do to your home to maybe help uh, with energy bills? Well, you definitely need to look at insulation, and that is a bigger investment, but you have to think about long-term how that will pay back. Um, you can also just make sure that uh, windows and doors are secure and you don't have a lot of air coming through. There are folks who will come to your home and do an assessment for you, walk around and let you know how you can improve your energy usage along the way. Also, I just got a text from somebody who shall remain nameless who said, we need to be putting our clothes out on the clothesline again. <laughs> and uh, yesterday we were taking a walk in our neighborhood and we thought, what what is that in that backyard well it was a clothesline and uh, so you can save on your drying if you do that um, we've also looked at solar I'm very intrigued by that my problem is every time I've looked at it our price per kilowatt here is cheap enough that it really doesn't make sense we're discussing ways to cut your expenses from your life to gain a little bit of extra cash. And we've got a tip that might save you a headache. That's coming up next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
no matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Monday Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal financial broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lodridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Here's a tip that might save you some money or a headache. Sign up to receive text messages when a charge is made on your credit card. Uh, that seems like that would be a good way to help you track your legitimate expenses, but also give you a leg up if uh, something comes across that looks like it's uh, an, not something that you did, that, so that you could jump on it quicker uh, to dispute maybe a fraudulent charge that someone might have tried to put on your card. Uh, here's an email that says, The biggest money saver I've found was eating at home. In fact, I found a recipe website that offers cheap, tasty recipes that break down the cost per ingredient and per serving. A family meal that would have cost $60 at a restaurant took about $9 to cook. So, Chris, thanks for that uh, tip. That's obviously true that, you know, restaurants do have to make some money, and so they do um, increase uh, the cost. Uh, and I was watching one of those um, – uh, restaurant improvement shows, and I was amazed that uh, the the guy, you know, the expert came in was t telling the people how to fix up their restaurant, and he would fix a thing, and he said, "See, now that cost uh, two dollars, you know, for you to prepare, and we're going to charge fifteen dollars for it." So <laughs> it was an eye opener. Uh, but uh, you know, that that's the case; they got to make some money, and so maybe cooking at home is one way to save. Uh, Nancy, what about meal planning? Do you think that is a helpful tip? Well, it is, but I'm just not very good at that, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, frankly, I'm getting tired of cooking and eating at home. Uh, but that's just me in the middle of all of this. And um, so I'm good for a few days, and then I'm just like, this is it. Um, um, because it, it does take a lot of effort. And, you know, sometimes I just like to to wake up and say, well, what do I feel like today? Um, and when you do meal planning, it's kind of locked in. But you do save a lot. We were just looking at our pantry yesterday and thinking, well, what is all this stuff that's sitting in the back of the pantry that we never use? If you plan your meals, you're not going to have as much waste. But I think that brings back something we talked about earlier, and that is wants and needs are different for each, pe you know, everybody. And if it's, if you don't enjoy doing that, you're probably not going to, you know, meal plan as well as you should. So maybe that's one of those things where in your budget you say, hey, I am going to give myself a little more uh, discretionary spending when I go out to eat to pick things up and that sort of thing. Uh, Ryder, what would you suggest for someone wanting to trim grocery uh, expenses or dining out expenses? Uh, so I agree with the the planning is a big part. I mean, whenever you want to kind of manage your spending, do better with your spending uh, or finances or really anything, planning is going to be a big part. And for folks like Nancy who are tired of cooking at home, also planning when you're going to go out to eat. You know, so, you know, if you're sitting around on a Tuesday, you're like, oh, I didn't really, uh, okay, I have some stuff at, here at home, but I kind of want to go out to eat. If you had already planned to go out 
you know, say Wednesday, then you would say, you know, I'm going to go out, you know, tomorrow. Like that's already in the plans. It's already in the cards. Um, so planning is a big thing, even when you are planning to go out. Um, but also preparing uh, things ahead of time. It, it can it can be a lot of work, especially if you have a complicated recipe to to get that together and you know you're busy you've got other things going on uh, so uh, planning ahead with the preparation is big um, also there are you know we've talked about them before but those uh, there are meal kits you know um, uh, hello fresh uh, blue apron things like that um, those are going to be a little more expensive often than going to the grocery store, but those are very good for one or two people, especially if you don't like leftovers, uh, because they will only send you the amount you need. You know, they'll send you one chicken breast if you're just one person. Whereas if you go to the store, you've got to buy a pack of two and a half pounds of chicken breasts. Um, but another thing with meal planning is that you can take a look at everything in your fridge and you say, okay, well, this is something that I need to use or this is something that I can use because your refrigerator right now probably contains at least $100 worth of barely used things. Um, and so go ahead and use that money you have already spent. Um, I'm a big fan of having a clean out the fridge day. Uh, just whatever, you know, whatever you can kind of throw together and any, any sauces and condiments that might go with that, just use things you already have. Um, and that's also useful uh, Thanksgiving week when you need to make room for all the food you're about to put in there. You got to have a clean out the fridge day before all of that. Uh, Ryder, I did something similar. I did a rearranged the freezer day and discovered that there were a lot of stuff in there that I bought that I like, uh, but I, for one reason or another, was not uh, eating. So I have reorganized and pushed all that uh, to the front to make it a little bit more obvious when I open uh, the freezer door. The thing I would say was coupons, and actually, to me, the loyalty card is good. I know that the, where I shop that I get a lot of discounts uh, by just scanning my card. Uh, I like digital coupons, but again, my particular grocery store, I won't name names that starts with K. Uh, it's a little bit difficult for me to get to them, but when you've figured out or actually use the digital uh, coupons, those have helped out a lot as well. This is Money Talks. We're looking for any uh, personal finance questions that you have or ways that you help uh, save money, uh, cut down on your budget, or maybe find uh, hidden expenses that you can cut out. Uh, if you don't want to cut expenses, you can make it harder to spend money. Uh, Nancy, talk about freezing your credit or credit cards, freezing that account. Well, it's something that I've done, and um, this really works for people who are maybe you've reached a point where you're not going to be getting a mortgage, you're not going to be purchasing a car on credit, you don't really need other credit cards. Um, and so it protects your identity. It protects you from anybody trying to tap into that. So my credit is frozen. But the other thing it does, because I am so tempted every time I walk into a store and they say, my goodness, we're going to give you 10 or 20% off if you just open this credit card. And, of course, I fall for it every time until I then realize my credit is frozen. That's not going to work. Um, but it keeps me on track. But it's a good way just to keep up and make sure your identity is not taken because once that happens and your credit report gets messed up, it is a nightmare to get it sorted out. Uh, Ryder, I remember one time we had someone call up and it involved literally freezing your credit card. Tell us about that. Uh, yes, yeah, so that is... 
you know, another use of the term, um, actually sticking it in a block of ice in the freezer or just, or just putting it somewhere where it is hard to get. Um, so the idea with sticking it in a block of ice in the freezer, it's actually, even if you know where it is, it's difficult to get to, um, just taking that to a, a, a curious extreme. <laughs> Also, you know, the fact you have to grab that big block of ice and you'll get that jolt in your hand, and that will remind you, is this something that I really uh, need to spend money on? And I'll say yes. this, that uh, another thing that's helped me is not having that credit card, especially in your wallet. I've got mine uh, put away in a drawer. I know where they are when I need to use them, uh, but it's not in my wallet there. So when I'm somewhere and I'm like, oh, I will get that, and, you know, it's an impulse buy. That's another way to, uh, to try to control those uh, impulse buys. Looks like okay, here's the problem with that, that, though, Kevin. Now that we're shopping more online, uh, many sites store your credit card information, so it doesn't matter where that card is. You just one click and you're done. Yeah, I don't trust that. I don't let sites save my credit card information. That, that's interesting because you're right, Nancy, but your writer makes a good point, too, is that if you're maybe uh, for security reasons and also maybe to help control your spending to not. I know that I, some of the sites have, but I know I think it's a Google because uh, I have Chrome. Every time I use it, it says, hey, do you want to save this in your whatever it is? And I don't I don't do that because I do try to at least limit, you know, wh where it's saved. Uh, we have got a caller on the line. So why don't we say good morning to Edna? who's called in from Biloxi. Edna, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hi. Um, yeah, we're talking about saving electricity earlier, and I, I didn't know whether or not you mentioned or not. A lot of the electricity companies now have a thing that's called time of use. Tell us about that. Well, uh, down here on the coast, uh, Coast Electric, will um, they, they charge you a lower uh, percent wattage for, like, uh, 20 hours of the day and then they have prime time where they charge you a much higher wattage like in the summertime the prime time is like from 3 to 5 or, or, or something like that and then the rest of the time they charge you like a, a much cheaper wattage rate and that has saved me a lot of money in my electricity I just remember not to run my dryer and my major things that I have to do during prime time all right. Uh, thanks, Edna. That's uh, interesting. I have not uh, heard about that, but that certainly mm. is a good uh, a good idea. Nancy Ryder, have have you heard of, of that plan before? Yes. Uh, so yeah. I don't think you know our major uh, utility here, uh, Entergy, and then a lot of people are also on um, Southern um, or Mississippi Power, but. Um, I'm not sure that either of those do it, but it is more common in other states having a peak power, uh, peak time. And that's that's great for folks who have, you know, again, we have things which which are a higher load on the system. Uh, things like our, you know, the, the dryer, uh, if you have an electric stove um, and your air conditioning or heating, if that's electric. And the idea behind this is that uh, if they, they want to move, the, the utility wants to move power out of the peak time because if their peak time keeps getting higher and higher and higher, they have to upgrade all of their infrastructure, billions of dollars of infrastructure to accommodate that one peak moment. They have to be able to accommodate the highest second 
of electricity uh, if they're going to provide electricity. So if they can make that highest second lower, if they can lower that peak by getting people to spread their electricity out to different times, um, then that's beneficial to them and they will offer uh, off-peak uh, rates, which are lower. We're talking about ways to save money that don't inconvenience you. We've got some more extreme methods coming up next, and we've got Jim from Hattiesburg on the line. We'll get to his call. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. We're pleased that you found our show Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. As promised, Jim's on the line, so let's get to his call. Jim's called in from Hattiesburg. Jim, go ahead, please. You're on the air. Good morning. Uh, I hope it's all right to turn the topic back to credit card debt and uh, uh, the credit score. Absolutely. Go ahead. So I had um, a rough year about half a decade ago and and accumulated about $10,000 in medical and other debt. And uh, it hurt my credit score pretty bad because I wasn't able to pay it off immediately. And uh, over the past year or two, I was able to start paying off about half of it. And the thing I noticed, or the question I had, is uh, I paid off about 5000 of the $10,000, and I noticed my credit score only went up maybe 20 points. And uh, so, so I'm looking at the other 5000 and I'm looking at the fact that, you know, it, it disappears after a couple of years, I think seven years. Uh, and I'm trying to pay it back, but I'm just wondering why the score increase was so low when, for me, I thought that was a huge accomplishment to pay off that much debt. Nancy, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't think that debt is going to disappear. Now, certainly we talk about this seven-year time period where if you've had some sort of event, uh, such as a default on a loan, uh, late payments, that will begin to roll off and you'll see your score improve. But as long as that debt is out there, I think it's still going to impact your mm-hmm. score along the way. And so I would encourage you to still go ahead and see if you can get rid of it. Um, regardless of the time frame, it will certainly help you. Any thoughts, Ryder? Yeah, so I'd add, you know, kind of thinking about the things that affect your credit score the most. Um, one is making payments on time. So, you know, making that last payment that pays off some debt, you know, that's that's only just as good as making a payment on time. Um, so that's a, the biggest part, you know, paying it off, 
you know, that final payment doesn't count for, towards your score more than some other payment does. Um, also, the type of credit you have matters. So revolving debt like credit cards where you have the flexibility to let that grow or shrink, um, managing that well uh, shows up better on your credit score than other things. So something like medical debt where you incurred a couple thousand dollars worth of debt and they put you on a payment plan, that's not as impressive that you can manage a fixed debt. Uh, so paying that off, you know, not gonna have a huge impact. Um, a lot of people, you know, this, uh, this is, uh, and just another thing is credit scores are, you know, even though we kind of know the general rules to it and what is a large weight, um, there's still a lot of complicating factors and a lot of things just, you know, just the day of the month that they end up calculating something on can affect how the calculation comes out comes out so it's not that surprising to see um, to see only a small impact from paying off an old debt um, and another thing about uh, particularly with regards to revolving debt but your overall credit limit um, and how much you have there matters uh, so you know say you are allowed ten thousand dollars worth of credit um, and you know, you are using $5,000 of it, then that's a 50% credit utilization. That's kind of high. Uh, they prefer to see that number under a third or under 10%. So again, just paying off a debt, I mean, that may have changed your utilization by, you know, a percent or two over, you know, from the previous payment. But again, it's a big accomplishment and you should absolutely do it but it's not all about the credit score. Sometimes it is about your financial situation. So don't, don't, don't focus too much on the credit score itself. Um, and as far as that seven year period, yes, that is once uh, a debt is settled. Uh, that is not, I incurred a debt and I ignored it for seven years uh, and therefore it went away. Uh, it is I paid off a debt um, or I had a bad debt event, um, that, that will, that will fade off of your report over seven years. Um, and so that's why uh, a lot of folks, you know, say that, you know, I paid off a debt, therefore I had less, you know, yes, less lines of credit. And so that made my score go down. That's not exactly true. It takes seven years for that to actually disappear off your score. And hopefully by then you've done some other things. All right, uh, Jim, thanks for the call. My final thought to you would be, you know, to stay the course that uh, maybe a credit score is something maybe to look at over a longer term. And I think that if you keep uh, working on paying down that debt, you will continue to see maybe smaller than you'd like at the time, but I think you'll continue to see uh, your credit score improve. Got a couple minutes left. Maybe we can talk about some more drastic measures for cutting expenses. Uh, Nancy, what about homeowners cutting back on housing costs, uh, drastic uh, measures? Well, the biggest thing you can do is refinance your house and uh, look at what you are currently paying, the interest rate on your mortgage. If it's 4% or higher, you have an opportunity to refinance. We're seeing, uh, in some cases, even below 3% on mortgages. Now, you need to think about, okay, maybe I only have five years left on my mortgage. In that case, it doesn't quite make sense to do this. But if you have a long term left, this is a way to save a lot every month on that payment, and that amount can then be put into other savings. Um, what is private mortgage insurance, and is getting rid of that an idea? 
oh, it's perfect. There are a lot of people who um, have to have private mortgage insurance anytime you don't put down 20% or more on the purchase of a house. And that just protects the lender. It keeps you from uh, walking away. But it adds a few hundred dollars to your payment every month. Now, you are entitled to have that removed when either you have paid down the house to the point that you have equity that goes beyond that 20%, or the house has increased in value to the point where you now own or have equity beyond that 20%. But most people don't realize that they can request a new appraisal and have that removed. But often when you do a refinance, it's the one thing we tell folks, if you're paying that mortgage insurance, have them take a look at that and see if they can um, do away with that and save you a few hundred just on that alone. Uh, just got about a minute left. It's the most drastic measure mentioned on our script here is to have a family member live somewhere else. And I guess that means if you've, your 30-year-old son is shacked up down in the basement, maybe you could kick him out and make him get his own place. Who knows? Uh, uh, any any final thoughts on that? <laughs> I would actually almost think the opposite. Um, you know, one, you could, you could charge that 30-year-old rent if he actually had a job. Um, but, you know, one way that people look to saving money, especially if you have an elderly parent, is looking to have them move back in with you um, so that you're not having to maintain an additional house, uh, additional help for them around their other house. Um, so I don't know about kicking your family members out. Maybe that'll help your budget, but maybe not the total family budget. All right. That's going to wrap us, wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from your listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taft, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.